What do you have there? Evangelion. Oh. Neon Genesis Evangelion. Wow. What does he do? Well, he's a good guy. He can fly, and he has a silver sword that can kill bad guys. Really? Yeah. He's 60 feet tall. podcast shinji get in the podcast get in the podcast or no one's ever gonna like you or speak to you again get in the podcast get in the podcast shinji get in the podcast get in the podcast hi everybody uh welcome i didn't to- even cut you off because i'm not sure if that was like a joke about evangelion or like your own internal monologue you know who says it can't be both hi everybody <laughs> welcome to i think you'd be into it the podcast about your faves i'm your host brandon beck and i'm your other host beth scorzato um, and joining us today to talk about the uh, wet and wild world of Neon Genesis Evangelion, uh, you know her from Super Dating Simulator and the recent uh, Mega 64 uh, We Did Evangelion in 10 Minutes video, which fucking rules. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Brown. Sarah, Hi. welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me and for that incredible intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how did you get involved with the Mega 64 thing? Because that's so cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, honestly, uh, they have this yearly event at Disneyland called Game Days okay. uh, that my boyfriend took me to like nine years ago. He was like, listen, I know you don't know who these guys are, but it's a day at Disneyland. How bad could it be? And I was like, OK, fine. And I went and then. Um, Fair point. <laughs> right. I was like, OK, you know, there's not too much to lose here. And then um, after going for a couple of years, getting to know them. Um, a few times, you know, they needed an actress to kind of just jump in here and there on certain videos. And then uh, so I started doing stuff with them. The very first video I did with them was called Kudaragi's Way. Uh, and that was probably like five-ish years ago now. And then so now, yeah, just kind of like whenever they need or whenever they have something fun for me to do. Nice. I get to play too. <laughs> I um, That video dropped after we had booked you. Yes. And when it showed up on my on my timeline, I was like, oh, this look, this is really cool. I should uh, I should send this to Sarah to see if she's seen about it. Oh, wait, she's in it. <laughs> that tickled me so much. Yeah. Full <laughs> disclosure. It's that's why it's been on my mind so much lately. And that's why I was like, I would love to subject people to me talking about Evangelion nonstop. For oh, absolutely. Up to and including an hour. Or so. Oh, yes, yeah. Well, we aligned. are here for it. Literally. Yay. The premise of the show. All oh, yeah. So, but but before we get into uh, that, and there's a lot to chew on with this particular show, um, we're going to do a quick round of things we're into this week. Is anybody have one? Because if not, I yeah. can go. I actually have I one. I do. Oh, sick. I can go. I, can go. Uh, I am so fucking into Bridgerton. My body was oh, ready, and I watched all of them. All of them. 
so my thing. Uh, I don't know. It's it's good. It's good. It, I mean, it's based on the books, and like, it's exactly if you've read like a Regency romance novel ever in your life, it's exactly what you think it is. Um, <laughs> but like, it's on TV, so it's horny, and rather than like just visualizing the fucking, you see the fucking, and that's pretty cool, I guess. I love that. I don't know. It was great. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly. It's it's like build exactly as as promised. Very good. And it's got um, my favorite girl from Dairy Girls, uh, Nicola. What's oh, her yeah, name? Nicola. Nicola something. You know. You know her. Yeah. Yes. Um, she is in it, so that I have been meaning to she watch it. She is in it so, as Penelope. I am so glad that it is such a tasty little morsel. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. I watched all of it. What is the the TLDR of, of Bridgerton? Because this is one of those shows that just I had never heard of and then suddenly popped among everyone I know. Well, I mean, I basically already gave you the TLDR of Bridgerton. It's a Regency-era romance. Like, Fair. <laughs> that's basically it. All Regency-era romances are, it's the start of the season and the ton has come together while everybody competes for the, like, best title and husbands. Like, and that's the premise of every Regency-era novel. Like, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> And like, and there's like, oh, the, the the brooding rake who will never marry and the innocent girl and they get together. Like, it's the same. Every single, every single one is, is the same. I, I guess the main difference with Bridgerton is that it's set rather than being in Victorian England specifically, the queen is not Queen Victoria. It's set in an AU, um where like basically nothing is different other than that the queen is um a woman named charlotte and she's a black woman and it's only really ever mentioned in passing once um because it's it's a very diverse cast but it's really only mentioned in passing once that like blacks and whites used to it's not said in this way it's said much more elegantly but like blacks and whites used to be separate but then like the king fell in love with a black woman and then like elevated a bunch of black people and like gave them titles and so now there's like this whole class of black people that are also titled including the like main love interest who is the duke like it's just like and that's like the main like quote-unquote difference but like it's not really played into sure it's just basically a like if it's basic it's just pride prejudice like that's all it is like (laughs) it's just a regency era romance don't they get a little fucky with the music or at least from what you told me Oh, they do get a little fucky with the music yeah it's pretty cool uh like in when they go to their first ball um like for the production choices the production choices in it are really great it's um really it's very lavish the costumes are amazing and um for example, like the one I told you about was the very first ball they go to. The quartet is playing like a string quartet version of Thank You Next. <laughs> uh, I love a good, tasty little musical anachronism. Yeah, but like it's still, it's not like they're like actually playing Thank You Next. It's it's sure. still like a string quartet. So like it sounds very contemporary and cool and like it works really well with the, what's going on. But it's, it's if you've read a romance, if you've read a historical romance novel of this era, you, you know what you're in for. And it is based on a series of books. So nice. Yeah. I don't know. I was into it. It's my thing. Nice. Yeah. That, that seems pretty uh, squarely directed uh, down your alley. Yeah. For sure is. Hell yeah. What you um, got? I got. So the 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 distinction here is I just watched Tenet, but my thing is not Tenet. <laughs> uh, my thing 
is uh, sort of two parts. Uh, the first part, the thing I'm really into is explainer videos about Tenet. <laughs> I okay. So I watched, uh, as I as I said, I watched Tenet a couple nights ago. Um, Sarah, have you seen uh, the film Tenet? No, have not seen yet. Okay. No, I'll, I'll... no one has seen the film Tenet because David, or whatever the fuck, Chris Nolan insisted on releasing it in theaters in 2020. Yeah, it was a dumb idea. Executed poorly. Yeah. Bold move. Yeah. No one has seen Tenet. <laughs> and like this, I can tell you, this is not the film that was going to bring people rushing back to the multiplex because at the end of the day, it's kind of a complicated, dry time travel movie, which like. at the end of the day, it's a Chris Nolan movie. Well, that too. Um, They're all kind of dry time travel movies at their core. That's fair. I, well, um, we're, we were talking about it, right? We were talking about it, and I said all Chris Nolan movies are just movies written by a guy who's really into physics but wasn't smart enough to be a physicist. Devastating. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it is. You're not wrong. I mean, I, I think the thing I said to you that night was that, like, I, I finally could, like, see through the code on Chris Nolan movies of, like, oh, these are movies that are really stupid that want you to think they're smart and they're really doing a real good job of it. Like, not a perfect job, but, like, a pretty good job. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Why do you think they're mixed so weird? All the sound effects are meant to distract you from the fact that the premise (laughs) makes no fucking sense. (laughs) Fair. Um, But, so, I watched Tenet and... I, 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 f- I was able to follow it. I thought it was, like, the the main, like, sci-fi idea of it is kind of cool and interesting. Wow. I was able to follow it as such a resounding endorsement of <laughs> Well, well hold, hold, hold on. Um, I, I, w- I was able to follow it in that a lot of people basically came out of this movie like, what the f- Like, I have no fucking clue. And, like, I, I actually thought the movie was relatively straightforward, but there is a lot of just, like, time travel shit that happens. Um, yeah, but you've seen Looper, so that that's true. <laughs> I mean, if you've seen eight different time travel movies, you can see every beat in the movie coming. But uh, the thing I've, I've been trying to get to you is that uh, sorry, I have so many Chris Nolan burns. I was, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't hate it. I was just surprised by the voluminousness of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but so I I uh, started watching uh, Tenet like timeline explainer videos which are i think the best way to experience the story of the film tenet and the the time travel ideas of the film tenet uh because it's someone laying them out to you clearly um and mixed well and uh without you know a lot of the other bullshit that weighs it down and like you know it it just it just made the made watching the it just made the thing feel more interesting and like because i i haven't stopped thinking about this movie for probably four or five days since I've watched it, but I have no desire to ever actually watch it again. (laughs) Just the, like the mechanics of it and the world of it. I find so interesting with like the most boring could not give a fuck characters. (laughs) Um, but that leads to my, my, the sort of second half of the thing I'm into this, this week, uh, is just like, just watch the explainer video. <laughs> you know, there's there's so many shows that I've wanted to get into over the years. There's so many, like, books that I've wanted to read or movies or whatever that, like, I really do want to get to. But I just know I never will. And so, like, a month or two ago, I started watching, like, tell me the plot of Dune in 20 minutes uh, videos and stuff like that. And it's like, 
okay, I'm getting the, I'm like I'm getting what I want out of this, which is like like learning about the this world and all of the history stuff without having having to like actually read the kind of dry boring yeah. book i do that with horror movies because i'm a big scaredy cat but like i'm also very curious so i read a lot of wikipedia pages of horror movies that i will never be brave enough to watch so i read the plot of horror movie yes. yes i want to be included but i don't want to be scared yes yes yeah i i'm good with a horror movie if it's like eerie and moody um, yeah. oh, I just yeah. don't like jump scares. Jump scares stress me out because like I'm already started a little, little bubble enough in real life. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to sit there knowing I might get startled at any second for two hours. Oh, yeah. You know, I, don't, yeah. I don't like it when it is a surprise. I don't want to do it on purpose. I Yeah, I don't like horror movies that are things that could conceivably happen to me. I like things like um, I really loved Midsummer. Because uh, I'm like, you could, you I, could I'm, pretty I'm conceivably going... get midsummered, I think. You know, it could happen to any of us. <laughs> it but could happen like, to any of us. Truly at any at any time. Or like uh, The Witch was another one. I'm just like, I am not in colonial New England. Yeah, I think True. I just, I had a really, I, I read like a lot and pretty exclusively like fantasy books as a kid. And so I just had like a really overactive imagination. And so like I would get like too scared by scary movies when I was younger. And so, like, I didn't get desensitized to them, and now I just don't enjoy them. I don't... I like knowing, like, oh, I love a good fucked up thing. Like, I love <laughs> a good serial killer. Oh, or, sure. like, a cult thing. Like, I don't know. I love a good fucked up thing, but I don't like a scary movie. So I read the summary. It's also why I don't like... I mean, it's, it's similar to how we were... Brandon and I were talking the other day about how I don't like haunted houses because I don't oh, enjoy immersive no, theater no, no. or being no, scared, no. so... Yes, I... <laughs> Yeah, no haunted houses for me. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, hard, no. hard pass on those. Yes. Um, so watching explainer video, watching yes. YouTube is the thing you're into this week. You know, basically, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, basically. So Sarah, but what about you? Uh, what I have been into this week, and I'm so excited because it's probably a pretty clean 180 from uh, Evangelion, is I have been watching The Sopranos for the first time. Oh, really? And so I have been, yeah, I'm as surprised as you are. And uh, that's what I have been into. <laughs> I started it maybe two weeks ago. And in true 2020 fashion, I just started season five tonight. Um, okay. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I've been into. And I really didn't think it's something that I would ever dig, but I really like it. What nice. what prompted you to uh, dive into The Sopranos? Because it's like, it's a show that has a lot of like, uh, baggage, I'd say, uh, and just sort of like weight to it, just from how like influential it was. Um, but between that and like you're not sort of seeming like you'd be into it, like how did you wind up watching it? No, yes, I am not the target audience. Yeah, well, as we discussed um, earlier, uh, I filmed the uh, Mega Sixty Four Neon Genesis Evangelion video, and uh, my friend Rocco in Mega Sixty Four is a very big fan of The Sopranos. And uh, when quarantine started, I actually asked a bunch of my friends, like, okay, like, now's the time for watching things. Like, what do you think I should watch? And at the time, he was like, you should try it. You should watch this. And I was like, ew, no. Like, why? No, thank you. And now, you know, nine months later, I'm like, I mean, I guess I've got the time. And so I was like, okay, fine. Like, I'll give it a whirl. And I got hooked. Nice. Yeah. I mean, people liked it. It ran for a long time. It, it yeah. did. It absolutely did. And it's so funny because, like, I'm not even, like, a mob movie person. Like, 
I don't think I've even seen Goodfellas all the way through, never seen The Godfather. So I was me just neither, like, yeah. Yeah, me yeah, and I don't really feel the need to pursue them after this. Um, but yeah, I, it just really got me hooked. It's just like a really compelling, like, family drama. It's essentially a family drama more than a yeah, mob drama. Exactly. Like, I've seen the very first one because back in college, Brandon had an assignment where he had to watch the first episode of a bunch of these marquee series and I watched like half of them with him. I don't know if you remember this, Brandon. <laughs> I do, yeah. It was like it, it was it was it was to prep for my first semester of grad school. Yeah. Um, it was an it assignment was like, for your for, for grad school for you. It was like Sopranos, Treme, The Wire, um, Northern Exposure, like Hill Street Blues. Um, All the hits. I think yeah, a couple, maybe a sitcom or two in there, but I honestly don't think so. Or maybe Modern Family was the closest to like a comedy on there. I think it um, was. But yeah, he had this assignment to watch the pilots of all these different shows. And so I've seen the first episode of a bunch of shows I watched with him for his school assignment. <laughs> yeah, so like as far as we know, The Sopranos is about a, a man's relationship with a bunch of ducks. Which yeah, like, honestly, cool. not insignificant part of that show. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I mean, cause, just because David Chase, you know. Uh, likes ducks. Matthew, well, yeah, likes ducks. But uh, Matthew Weiner, who created uh, Mad Men, uh, wrote on Sopranos. And you can definitely, from everything I know about S- Sopranos, there's definitely a ton of, uh, or know about uh, Mad Men, there's a ton of Sopranos DNA in there. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Maybe that I will be my that. next bridge. Mm. We'll, well see. Well, if you want to know about it, we could listen to our previous episode with a friend of, friend of the pod, Kaylee Quick. Oh, adore Kaylee. Absolutely oh, Kaylee's adore so good. Her. She's been in Super Dating a number of times, right? Yes, yeah. yes. She is a beloved recurring favorite. She has been some truly excellent hysterical characters. She has been an om- omnipotent cloud overlord. She's been like a personal lifestyle guru. She has been a little bit of everything for us. <laughs> I think the last one I saw was when uh, she was like Xena Warrior Princess, basically. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was our last live show. That was our Dungeons and Dragons show in 2020. And she was our uh, she was our barbarian. Sorry for rolling a two. (laughs) You know what? It ended up being great comedic material. You tried your best. (laughs) uh, And I have forgiven. I have forgiven you in my heart, although it has taken time. Uh, I'm I'm really I'm really glad. I understand um, that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, actually, before we get into Evangelion, um, tell us about Super Dating Simulator. For sure. So, Super Dating Simulator is a choose your own adventure style interactive comedy show created by the illustrious Sam Weller, who, who we've pre- also had on doing yes. an anime episode. <laughs> and I'm so excited to follow in his footsteps, um, as I do in many things. So, basically, Super Dating Simulator is a comedy show where uh, every month or every couple of months now, uh, we create our very own dating simulator style script. We have actors acted out and the audience gets to choose uh, what happens in the choices that they make. Uh, so it's been a real blast. It's been running for a couple of years now. I think we started like July, 2018. And obviously it is now all on Twitch. <laughs> yeah. And fun fact, uh, Super Dating Simulator is the slot before us when we're on Twitch. Yes, we're we are neighbors. also the fourth Thursday of every month, except we're right after you guys. Yes, we are neighbors. And y'all were before uh, Happy Sappy as well. Yes. Oh man, it's a whole it's a whole family affair. Yeah. Right. I think that's kind of how I first got how I first met all of you. It was just by oh, Super Dating is before us. I'm gonna watch this show because <laughs> I'm here. 
Yeah, it was always said that I also enjoyed that two of probably the most like prop heavy shows at PAC were always snuggled up in the dressing room at the same time. <laughs> the two most like complicated shows at that theater yes. had an improv show between them. <laughs> yes. So uh, now that we've got uh, that covered. And speaking of anime. Speaking ooh. of anime, let's get the uh, third impact started, shall we? <laughs> uh, so... D- this might seem like an insane question, but what's the TLDR on Evangelion, Sarah? <laughs> Ooh, boy. Actually, funny story. If you can summarize the... Evangelion in six words. I was reading the Wikipedia right before this, and Brandon was like, that might uh, leave you with more questions than answers. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, I don't know. I read the Wikipedia for Kingdom Hearts and came out the other side. So how much worse can this be? <laughs> <laughs> but at what cost? Okay, yeah. so yeah, like the the most simple, if I could put it into like a sentence, like probably tweet length, it would be like teenage boy fight, like gets into a robot to fight, but has to look inward, <laughs> but must find himself along the way. Damn, yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> from what I've gathered, not just from the Wikipedia page, but from like watching Brandon watch it and what I know about it, it seems like it's like in a lot of ways, kind of both a evolution and like sub subversion of the typical like anime tropes. Cause like you yeah. look at something like Voltron, which is also, you know, teenage boy must get into a large mech and save the universe. But that one's all about like being a cocky asshole. Whereas yes. this one seems like this guy's like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I really, oh, I'm trying so hard not to get too ahead of myself, but that's honestly what I really get love. Get ahead of yourself. Hell yeah. You can come back. Really, what I really love about Evangelion is that it does subvert a lot of those tropes like over the course of its 26 beautiful little episodes. And that's also kind of why I'm also glad that uh, Sam went first, because I really feel like you need to have, you need to be passingly familiar with anime as a whole before you watch Evangelion so you can really appreciate what it does to those classic tropes because yeah from the outside it really looks like it could be your typical shonen like you know plucky young teen looks within himself to find these powers and then he saves the day from bad guys and it kind of like for the first couple episodes seems like okay cool like yeah we could be doing this uh, and then it really really diverges and really takes some interesting turns. Yeah, there's like a really like hard turn almost exactly halfway through the show where like any semblance of, oh, this is just going to be a kind of standard uh, mecha thing is just out the window. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Evangelion was actually the first anime I ever saw. Wild. That seems like that seems like a bold choice. Well, a friend of mine uh, in middle school, his brother uh, was watching it. And he was only like a couple years older than us. He was like 10th grade or whatever. And so I saw a couple of them and I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. And like I knew it got like weird in the second half. And so like I wound up watching the whole thing over like, you know, a year or two, you know, because they were at that point they were slowly releasing them on DVDs that were sure. like forty dollars for three episodes <laughs> um, at the old media play. Um, and it was just like the farther it got in, I was I was still just so like intrigued and like everything about this thing was so wild, but I just did not grok it like at all. 
And by the time you get to the uh, the final moments of the final movie where everyone's exploding into goop, yeah, you know, it's I was just like, what the what the fuck is this? Like, this is fascinating, but I don't I, I how, how did we get here? <laughs> It's also from what I mean, from what I understand and gather about anime, anime is one of those weird things too, that is either super short or never ending. And this one is one of those ones that like, it had such an impact. And then you're like, yeah, it was only 26 episodes. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? It was only how many episodes? That's what, and that's what I love about it is that it was like this perfect little bite-sized morsel. And of course it's continued to be expanded upon. There's the movies, there's the rebuilds. So like the universe continued to flourish, but like at its very core, it is these 26 little 30 minute episodes that just like fundamentally changed like a lot of the way people see anime and like a lot, it just had like this incredible pun intended impact. I think one of the funniest things about it, Brandon, you mentioned like the end of the second movie is that unless I'm misunderstanding this, uh, that second movie was basically kind of like how the internet made them change Sonic. (laughs) People were just so mad about the ending that they made a movie about it. Okay, so we're talking about End of Evangelion, right? Yeah. Yeah. what, What I think is really beautiful about End of Evangelion is because that's how it was initially presented to me, which is... The ending of the TV show was so controversial that they were like, okay, we have to we have to make it up to fans. We have to give them something a little more coherent. But the more I've learned about it, the more of what I really love is that it was really more of the director saying, like, we're talking about this like anime, like otaku culture, and him being like, oh, you guys didn't like the deep introspective ending? Fuck you. Here it is. Here's what you want. And the end of... The end of End of Evangelion is really dark. It ends on this really disparaging note because the main character in it, Shinji, in End of Evangelion, instead of going through this like sort of like chrysalis psychological growth like he does in the show, he really just leans into his own shortcomings. He doesn't grow. He doesn't change. And so the end of the movie is just the world has ended and he and Asuka are on the beach and he's and sorry, I guess maybe spoiler alert. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, people like, have people who listen to this show know we're going to talk about shit. This is true. So yeah, but so it's like here he is. He was unable to grow. He was unable to change. And here he is at the end of the fucking world, exactly the way you want him to be. He hasn't grown. He hasn't changed. He hasn't developed. And neither have you. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I love a good director who's just like, here is this what you wanted? Yeah, truly, is this your king? Like. <laughs> Here, have more. Smoke the entire pack. Yes. You want angst? Smoke the whole pack, precisely. <laughs> One thing I, I learned, though, in my skim of the Wikipedia page earlier was that uh, when it was, like, talking about the production, it was basically like, yeah, um, the guy who made it. The, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but yeah. Um, but... Uh, he made it basically because he was depressed because his previous two shows didn't work and i'm like oh wow so the depression theme comes through oh yeah so yeah um depression and mental illness is like a very like rampant part of it and especially uh one of the things i was just reading today just kind of like you know poking around the internet was that he got a book on like psychology and mental disorders um at some point during the production of this and he felt like he could finally like identify things within himself for the first time. He was like, oh my gosh, like here is this like entire study of like what I've been experiencing. 
sentencing. And so those elements are super heavy in the show, especially towards the ending where it really takes this like psychological bent to it. Like even in the last two episodes of the show, like the sort of like question and answer format feels sort of quasi therapeutic in nature. Oh, totally. It, it it feels like you're watching someone in like a really intense therapy session. Yeah. Yeah. It literally says in here, it says, according to him, the plot of the series reflects his four year depression. Yes. And like, I, I know at the, at the end of every session with my therapist, she she looks directly into the camera and claps and says, congratulations, you're fixed. Yes. <laughs> I insist upon it. <laughs> the To me, the biggest shock between the TV show and then the movies was just the fact that characters in the movies like move and like yeah. oh yeah they have like the no show... budget and so the early yeah. ones it's so much is just like a static image with voiceover yes which there are so many times and that like when I was watching the series the very first time I was like is my internet buffering like is like what are we what are we doing here and that's what I love is that like it's so camp like it's nope, part of it like just really, laid like, on the cheap but like it worked and it's like and it, that's another thing that too that people say about the ending of the tv show they're like oh they ran out of money which sure is probably a factor but like i think that's what makes it great is like it like what they did with that like the choices that they made with it make it so good because like yeah there are scenes that you watch on your computer for it feels like fucking 15 minutes of just a static image but they're images that stick in your brain when i say ray and oscar in the elevator you can picture it oh yeah and, and like I, I think because when I first saw it, I knew about the show ending and then there being movies and that the, they were yeah. kind of the like not do over, but like the end of the show didn't feel like the end, right. you know? So like I, I've always enjoyed those last couple episodes just for how like how off the grid they go with their storytelling. Um, and to go from that like kind of effortlessly into this like really large scale like almost like cosmic horror sort of uh visual style because there's like there's some wild shit in uh end of evangelion that like i i that like words cannot even like i can't (laughs) like just so much is happening on this like you know pink floydian scale of just like wild shit in space that all like has this, there's like this like mysticism to it that's really cool and like it feels like the show was finally able to do like all it really wanted to yeah you know yeah to really go full steam ahead really flourish yeah I agree with you and like also like it also pause like in defense of people who probably felt shortchanged by those initial episodes it's worth noting that they set up a lot of like, here's these mysterious government agencies and like, here's all these conspiracies and here's all these like, they set up like a very uh, like complex and dense plot that then they were just like, and we are not going to resolve any of that anyways. So like in defense of people who felt shortchanged, I get it. Like they sent up a very complex and interesting world of like, here's these mysterious government agencies here's these entities that like we don't really know their end game there's a are you a double agent a triple agent and they were like anyways we're putting all of that to the side and then uh just doing this big psychological introspection into one 15 year old boy's mind instead so like i get it like there's a certain element of privilege of like getting to come to this series you know in the current age and knowing like oh okay like there's a whole world of other like answers and movies available for me uh so, like, I get it why people maybe 
watching it, you know, episode by episode, we're like, what is this? But sure. uh, I'm a big diehard stan for those last two episodes. I know there's people out there who are like, don't even bother watching them. And to them, I say, you moron, you fool, you idiot. Yeah. Um, you can kind of skip the you can kind of skip the first movie. The effectiveness of the movie being different doesn't work if you don't watch the last two episodes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's very true. Like it's it's just not experiencing the the whole reason it was made. You're you're not getting the effect of the whole reason it was made if you don't watch why it was made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, in a lot of ways it sort of felt like the uh the turn with a significantly less of a time gap uh, between uh, Twin Peaks, the original TV series and the Twin Peaks movie and then the new series of Twin Peaks, which just was like uh, structure. Who needs it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, at least it wasn't quite as much time, though. That's that's true. Yeah, it was only an hour. It was only two hours as opposed to 13. I I meant time apart. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't 25 years. Um, but Sarah, how did how did you uh, get into Evangelion in the first place? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny that this keeps coming up. But my same friends in Mega64 are clearly notably uh, very enthusiastic fans of the series. And um, I'd always like heard of it. And I tried watching it in college. I think I watched the first episode and I was just like, yeah, this isn't for me. I'm not really like a mech anime kind of girl. Like robots like kind of who cares and like I knew there was more to it but I was like yeah there's not enough here for me to even get hooked so yeah started it in college never went back to it and then a couple years ago uh when we were uh down in San Diego filming Metal Gear Solid in five minutes even then they were planning they were like hey we're doing Evangelion up next like we're probably gonna you know hit you up so you know check it out you know see what you think and then I watched all of it in like three days <laughs> and I was like, I'm hooked. This is my new favorite thing. Where has this been all my life? Like I was ready to receive it then. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. It seems like one of those series that you kind of need to see at the exact right moment. Yeah. You're not ready for it until you're ready for it. I think that's, you know, the right thing for anything. Right place, right time. Oh, totally. And, and I think for a, while, for a while too, it did have this kind of mystique of like, it's hard to get. Yeah, and that's why as much as the Netflix dub is infuriating in many ways, I'm extremely glad that it's accessible and like no amount of quibbling over, you know, translation interpretations and choices and weird censorship things and the absence of Fly Me to the Moon, more people now have access to this show and like that's undeniably something I'm in favor of. Yeah, and like if if you if you're the type of person that will get into this show, you're very quickly going to find out about all of that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. about like the original dub uh, with its Dallas ass voice cast, um, <laughs> you know, and and all of the other sort of you know side things. But it very much does need to kind of hit you at the exact right moment, because um, it's it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in, and it's also. Very, like, the, I can't, like, when you said you first watched this as a teenager, Brandon, I'm like, I cannot imagine watching this as a teenager and, like, understanding all of the, like, kind of, like, deep cut philosophy in it. Like, it's like, yeah, we haven't really, we have not discussed, and we should, because we didn't really talk about it in the TLDR, the, like, Christianity of it, and, like, the angels, and, like, all of this, like, weird theology that's involved in it, which is, like, strange for an anime. 
lot of very heavy Judeo-Christian imagery, a lot of very like intricate references. Absolutely. There's a lot of Freudian stuff. And like all of the intricate references are like kind of detached from like the context of Christianity almost and just sort of as like an aesthetic. Yeah, but it's still a thing that you have to have like a baseline knowledge of. And I don't know a lot of like teenagers that have like a deep enough knowledge of the like of Christianity as an aesthetic rather than a like faith. And also like all the Freudian shit, like especially when it gets to the part with his mom well, his mom's clones or stuff. Like, it gets real into family dynamics. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's just it's just a thing that I, I think probably, like, speaking of, like, you have to be ready to receive it. I do, I never want to say, like, you have to be old enough to watch something. But I do sure. think having, like, a larger knowledge of the world helps oh, yeah. give it more context. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of those things, too, where it's also like, you know, yeah, you could watch this as a teen and watch this as an adult and have take away, you know, two different interpretations. But yeah, like the more I think generally aware a person is of just like life experience, because yeah, th- you can look at this movie through a philosophical lens, through a religious lens, although I agree that like they borrow really heavy from the imagery, but like, it's not a parable. It's not, they're not really, no. there's no Judeo-Christian values assigned to these images, no, um, the imagery more yeah. has to do with prophecy than religion. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like, also there's a lot of references to like other media. Like the more that I really learn about the show, the more that I, there's like all these like ancillary things that it's referencing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's just, it's, I think that's what I like about it. It's 26 episodes, but they're fucking meaty. You can go back and redig and reanalyze and research your little heart out. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. And there's I, so I much, say... like, ancillary stuff, too. Like, yeah. on top of the series. For as much as the series didn't run all that long, they're still making fresh Evangelion stuff Oh yeah, uh, to this day. Like, there's been the remake movie series. There's been, like, a shit ton of, like, weird N64 games, visual yes. novels. There was a manga, I think. There is. There it is started a... as a manga, didn't it? No. Uh, I do not believe so, but there... Uh, there is, at least I'm familiar with one manga adaptation that I'm excited to talk about a little later too, because it is uh, basically just like, what if they were just in high school? <laughs> oh shit, that whips. Here's here's what I can say, Brandon, actually looking at this. It does say, 10 months prior to the television broadcast of Evangelion, the character designer illustrated a manga version of the story initially meant to supp- as a supplement to promote the anime series. Okay. It was published first in February, in the February issue of Shonen Ace in December 1994, with subsequent installments produced on an irregular basis over an 18-year period. The final installment was published in June 2013. Irregular installments over an 18-year period is the most Evangelion-ass sentence possible. I love but it. So you're right. So it was, the manga actually was published first. The manga was published in 94. It didn't start airing till October 95. However, gotcha. the manga was created as promotion yes, for the in service of. Yeah. yeah. Sure. That makes that makes sense. So you're both right and wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. The Brandon Beck story. It's like it's like you're you're not entirely wrong, however. It, it, it's the spirit of it. Yeah. <laughs> right literally wrong spiritually. There you go. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of the theme of Evangelion. Oh, totally. Oh, exactly. Which is like, yeah. 
And like for as much as this show can be like really overwhelming to try to take in and and process, I think it it, it is a good kind of like stepping stone into both like anime and just kind of like deeper storytelling. Yeah. You know that like you you do need to have some sort of like background info for um Yeah, I think it really does well to like really like challenge you as the viewer to like think critically and to like really expand your knowledge of just like cuz I think especially like here in America like people tend to have like a very like narrow view of like what anime is they're like okay anime has all these tropes and like they do all these things and like whatever whatever like it can be kind of like minimized and this I think was like a really powerful like rebuke of that interpretation is like no like this has its own incredible complexities and cultural nuances that oh totally you might not even be aware of and so you know think about it use your brain uh the same way that like um it's wholly Japanese. It's very Japanese. Yeah, it is not an anime that was yeah. aimed at a worldwide audience. Though it does, it does pull a lot from American culture, or or at least like Western culture, uh, like. But the in a way stuff, that, but. like you said, is and and this is true of Japanese culture. Like things, many Western culture things are an aesthetic. Even yeah. Christianity oh, so, is a very yeah. aesthetic thing in Japan. Like there aren't many Christians in Japan. Oh, totally. Right. But, like, something that I'm looking forward to learning more about is that, like, a lot of this is a reflection of, like, Japanese youth culture at the time. And, like, mm-hmm. this sort of, like, that sort of sense of, like, not ambivalence, but maybe sort of, like, directionlessness and this sort of, like, feeling of, like, powerlessness, like, I know has been, like, referenced in some, like, materials about this, about Evangelion. And, like, I'm looking forward to learning more about, like, what was going on culturally at the time that this was being created that a Japanese artist like audience would have picked up at the time or like would be intuitive to them now that like I am missing out on because of my American perspective. So yeah. And, and while not to like contradict myself, but it is, it is, um, it's very, as much as this is a term we use mostly in America, it's very Gen X, which is what the teens of that time were, you know, that it was, they were, they were dealing with this, like, the world in the 90s was wild yeah. <laughs> and changing very rapidly especially for teenagers and it that's not a problem not not that it was a problem but it's not an issue that was exclusive to japanese youth culture but of course every culture dealt with it differently oh yeah well it's like it like the you know here gen x you know their artistic statement was slacker and in japan <laughs> it's evangelion i think that says a lot about both of our cultures <laughs> pretty much Pretty much. Um, we we did get a someone on Twitter asked us who your favorite character is and why. Me, Sado. And it's not even close. Um, <laughs> light of my life. Tell us about the purple-haired alcoholic. So, yeah, ooh, here's the thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, so, Give it to me. Uh, so, uh, Me, Sado Katsuragi is the secondary uh, protagonist in Evangelion. She is in her 20s. She is a captain at NERV, which is the government agency uh, that has the Evangelion robots uh, that Shinji and his teenager friends all pilot. Uh, She herself is a survivor of the second impact, which was the uh, cataclysmic event about uh, 15 years prior to the current story. Um, But basically, 
by day, she is this like badass, like super ambitious, super capable military commander. And at night she goes home to her apartment and her live-in penguin and she drinks cheap beer and eats shitty processed foods uh, and has a tumultuous relationship with her ex-boyfriend, Kaji. So what I love about Misato is that she is like this kind of second iteration of like the struggles that we see that Shinji is going through of like being so young and having these responsibilities and these expectations placed on you. Misato is a reminder of like, oh, like what happens to you when you're young, like has reverberations throughout the rest of your life. That like she is like 29 years old and in some ways kind of a stunted adult. Like all the jokes about like, yeah, she's this alcoholic, she drinks cheap beer. Like when you see her apartment it's a mess. Like she doesn't know how to take care of herself. She doesn't know how to cook for herself and how to like nourish and take care of herself because she's been like this crazy military mastermind since she was really young. And like she tries to, one of like the weird things in the series is when Shinji gets called to be a pilot and he's 15 years old, Misato says like, oh, like he'll just come live with me. Like, Nerve was ready to set him up in his own apartment by himself as a teenager. And she was like, no, like, he'll come live with me. Like, I'll take care of him. Which she, like, then very clearly doesn't know how to do. He ends up taking care of her. He cooks them dinners. He cleans her apartment. And, like, in a lot of ways, I wish that we spent more time, like, learning about Misato and, like, learning about her, like, her journeys and, like, what's going on for her and just... I love her so much. <laughs> she very much feels like that that kind of uh, archetype that I think is pretty f- sort of familiar to our generation of like, you were really good in school. You were really good when you were like younger at like doing the th- shit you were supposed to. But now that you're just sort of in the world, it's like, well, I don't know. I, all I know how to do is do this one thing I'm good at. <laughs> yeah, you're really good at one thing. She is the quintessential like burnt out millennial like – I've thrown myself into my pursuit of this career at the expense of my growth as a human being. Oh, totally. Misato probably has no savings. Oh, no way. <laughs> um, yeah, we need to actually talk about her pet penguin, though, because he rules. Pen pen. Pen yes. pen. That was actually the first thing I ever heard about this series is that there, there was a there was a uh, uh, penguin in it that was awesome and lived in the fridge. And I was like, sign me the fuck up. Which is incredible because, like, many fun little notes of this series really does not have a ton of screen time. Like, Pen Pen is, like, just kind of around Misato's apartment, but kind of more like a roommate than anything else. Like, he, oh, totally. we don't really see him and Misato being, like, affectionate with each other. He's <laughs> like, on his he's, own journey. Yeah, he's just, like, doing his own thing. He lives in the fridge and he just kind of walks around sometimes. Like, Pen Pen is kind of just vibing. He basically just, like, will occasionally, like... It's like he looks at the camera like an animal in the Flintstones and is like, humans, right? Yeah, it's a living. <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> oh, God, I, I wish one of the uh, angels would just turn to the camera and go, it's a living. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ramiel the cube. It's a living. There are some really, really incredible, for, for as much as we were goofing on the fact that like, no one really like moves much in this show and there's a lot of like sort of static uh imagery uh when it's in the robot scenes 
Mm. Shit goes wild. And oh, like yeah. there are some incredible Well, that's where they spent scenes. the budget. Because exactly. that's where it needed to be. Exactly. Oh, do you do you have a a favorite or a couple favorite like bits of like just yes. like cool action shit or like set pieces she's like yes or... i'm ready i'm ready yeah again salivating um uh, i'm just gonna end... keep asking this question for as long as possible yeah. uh end of evangelion um asuka is in unit two and she is in the lake and the like uh factory made i'm losing the but um there's all these like mock evangelion robots basically um, someone is Sally has figured out how to mass produce Evangelion robots. So there's all these tons. She's trying to fight like 20 bad guys. And then it starts with her. She's just had her ass like handed to her and she is at the bottom of the lake. And she is just like rocking back and forth to herself saying like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Again, she's like 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's just undergone a couple, like previously we'd seen, she got into a fight with an angel that like psychologically destroyed her. Mm -hmm. And then she goes through this breakthrough where she realizes, and again, like spoilers abound. One of the things that she's been traumatized by is witnessing the suicide of her mother when she was young. And then she realizes that her mother's spirit. Oh yeah. It's devastating. Um, Her mother's spirit has metaphorically and literally been inside this Evangelion unit that she's been fighting in the whole time. And she's like, mom, you were there for me all along. Like I realized like you've been here the whole time. And she rockets out of that lake and just whips ass on these robots for like, I think like a minute and 50 seconds. And like the animation in in that sequence is so beautiful. And the emotional journey, it brings me to tears every single time. There is specifically one shot where she like rocks across like the cockpit of her pilot to like throw one of them over her head. And it's just so good. It's so beautiful. They are using that rebuild that uh, end of Ava budget money. Ugh, it's just, it, it just like knocks me on my ass every time. A lot of the action scenes have a sort of poetic uh, quality to them or even sort of like a metaphorical quality yeah. to them. Um, the one that the, Two that come to mind for me are, uh, I think the more famous one is, there's one where Shinji and Asuka, who's uh, the uh, German redhead, like fiery pirate lady, she she rules. Um, Yes, yes, yes. In this house, uh, we stand Asuka. Unshockingly, the redhead that screams at you and tells you you're an idiot was my favorite character. Huh? (laughs) Um... But uh, there's an episode where her and Shinji have to, like, really work together to fight this one angel. Dance like you want to win. Yeah. So there's, like, this great, like, cross-cut montage of them training to do this by playing, like, DDR and, like, doing a bunch of just, like, in-sync unison things. And the action scene is scored to this, like, piece of classical music that they, like, trained to. Mm -hmm. And it's, like... It's this amazing, like, dance sequence that's also a giant robot fight. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, is is one of the strengths of the show is being able to do what is a giant robot fight, but also, like, is also a metaphor about working with someone that irritates you. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
Um, and the other one that 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 comes to mind is uh, it's also an Oscar centric one where I for, I forget why, but the 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 why of it is angels probably. Yes. Um, <laughs> Oscar has to go like into a volcano magma or diver. something. Yeah. Yeah, magma diver. Uh, and she basically it's just her like slowly sinking down into this volcano in the Ava while it just gets hotter and hotter and hotter like this like sauna diving bell from hell and it's it's just like her just getting like more and more tense and like more and more pressure and it's it's really it's a it it to me is like the central metaphor of the show of like I'm gonna keep going but this sucks and I hate it and I'm mad at you for making me do it but also, like, I'm going to push myself into, like, danger. Because there's a point where they're just like, this is becoming too dangerous and we need to call it off. And I don't remember if Misato pushes for it, if Asuka says, like, let me keep at it. But this sort of, like, reckless self-endangerment, passive suicidality, whatever you want to call it, where it's like, my life is in danger, but I am so hell-bent on this cause that I'm going to stick it out no matter yeah. what it takes. And her, like, inherent, like, needing to prove that she's the best because oh, she doesn't believe in herself. Absolutely. She has to be the best and there's no other option. Oh, totally. Yeah, Asuka is a close second for uh, favorite character on the show. Yeah, the 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 character bench on, on this show isn't particularly deep numerically, but <laughs> all of the characters have, like, so much shit going on. Like, every single one of them has some, like big crazy revelation in the back half of the series like oh the ava is my mom's spirit or i'm the you know dna guide for clones right or all sorts of just like crazy insane like it it works as a metaphor of like the adult world you know Mm -hmm. putting these absurd like crushing demands on you that you can never possibly live up to right speaking of a on a happier note, not speaking of, but on a happier <laughs> note, uh, uh, Brandon, do you want to talk about the theme song? Because all day he just keeps being like, we got to talk about how the theme song slaps. <laughs> So good, so good. Banger, best anime opening of all time. I listen to it in my car sometimes just to feel hype. It's so good. Oh, yeah. This was, I think, really the first anime theme I'd ever heard. And I was like, I've never heard a song like this before. Like, it's it's tense. It's funky. It's, like, it's like grand in scope, but, like, has an intimacy to it. It, it, it just, it, it whips all the ass that is uh, yeah. possible by by human or Evangelion. Yeah, I'm I'm literally thinking of just like those opening melodic, like those just the song notes before the beat really kicks in and just like oh, yeah. shivers down my spine. Have you seen? There's a video of like a gospel choir singing it. Yes. Yes. Where they're on like a, like a Japanese like yes. America's Got Talent equivalent, yes. Yes. and it's and all of the Japanese judges have this look of like, oh, okay, you know, surprise <laughs> us, and then they are just like.
and then they are just like dicks blown straight in the dirt like yep. oh wow you guys are incredible yeah because uh, so it's also like one of the most like popular songs in japan of the last couple decades right oh yeah oh yeah like you can pull up to a karaoke bar and be oh, like yeah. all right cruel angels thesis dial me up oh totally <laughs> and I, I think it, it you know sort of you know bears repeating that evangelion did not have the permutation the cultural permeation here in the states that it did in japan because mm-hmm. like japan it was a massive hit mm-hmm. like huge hit when it when it was airing and then with the with the movies so like this is like a pretty like essential kind of cultural text of the last couple decades oh yeah uh, i just saw it again in my little like internet you know looking around for fun little treats and things yeah i saw an ad for like an evangelion ad for laundry detergent yeah like it was just like (laughs) yeah it was just like a permissible part of their culture it was just a recognizable like yeah that's that's very good i wish i could buy a laundry detergent i wish i could wash my clothes with the angsty teen pilots god just uh it's 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 just a bunch of uh like capsule fluid it's lcl yeah it's lcl yeah (laughs) orange tang one of the other questions we got from Twitter is, uh, what is your favorite ludicrous spinoff or licensed Ava product that you've seen? Yes, I'm going to answer with both. Uh, so ludicrous Good. spinoff, I haven't, I was talking about this earlier and I haven't gotten my hands on them yet, but I want to, is uh, the manga series Neon Genesis Evangelion. I think it's called Angels Kiss. It's basically, it's the manga series that is like, just about the pilots at high school just kind of having like a normal life like with all those deep beautiful themes of the show that we talked about completely absent it's just a manga of them just like getting into antics (laughs) uh so i really want to get my hands on that and temporarily live in a world where good things happen to them and then yeah that's fair uh licensed product i'm so excited because uh, I just got it today. It was a birthday oh. present, but since it came from Japan, my birthday is in June. It took a while to get to me. I just got it today. Is an Evangelion branded Tamagotchi. <laughs> oh, I just saw those on Twitter recently. Yes, I just got Wait, mine today. So what are you keeping care? Are, are you an angel. taking care of uh, an angel? Okay. An angel, yeah. Not one of the children. One of the terrifying from outer space creatures that's coming to try to destroy humanity. So basically like- A pocket I- murder monster. Yes. <laughs> I've got this little keychain. It looks like it's um, stylized like Unity, uh, Asuka's robot, Asuka's Ava. And when you turn it on, you see a little Adam, which is, it looks kind of like a baby dinosaur. Um, so without getting to it, so humans came from Lilith and angels came from Adam. Adam and Lilith, there's your uh, Old Testament Mm-hmm. Christianity for you mm-hmm. there and so like you start with like a little tiny atom and then you nurture it and raise it and it hatches into an angel oh yeah so I'm very excited but it's all in uh, I have not turned it on yet because um all the packaging and instructions are in Japanese which I do not read or speak so sure. I need to watch some videos to figure out how to take care of my little buddy <laughs> that that can be a problem sometimes yeah. <laughs> uh Super Nintendo World just opened at Universal Osaka and I've been trawling yes. Japanese Twitter for like a week now trying to find new footage and photos and because I don't 
speak or understand Japanese, I'm getting nowhere. <laughs> Though before before we uh, we wrap up, we do need to talk about uh, my personal favorite uh, ludicrous Evangelion thing, which which isn't officially sponsored, but in my head might as well be canon. Which is a uh, a thing on YouTube called Propane Genesis Evangelion, <laughs> where someone has remade the Ava opening with King of the Hill, um, including like new animation and like every like the Japanese text is altered so like you can clearly like like the bits where it would say you know who did the score it says you know the actual american credits uh-huh. it, it's just it's so it's one of the, I, I love taking something kind of ludicrous and putting something sort of normcore on it mm-hmm. and like i think that those two shows are are so different but there is something like kind of fundamentally human about both of them which is what makes the pairing work in a sort of odd way oh yeah what is king of the hill if not you know an introspective into masculinity and youth and the expectations we have of our culture <laughs> oh totally yeah. i years ago i saw somebody tweet that king of the hill was their favorite slice of life anime and i yes. i don't think it was actually a joke <laughs> <laughs> i mean you can make the case but I, and I think i think too that like ava it had a bit more of a sense of humor when it started off and is sort of occasionally willing to indulge that in the little like side things. Oh yeah, there's yeah, there there's some funny moments. There are some there's some cheeky little moments in there, yeah. Oh, totally. And there's another uh good little trilogy that somebody made where they took uh Tenacious D songs and music videos uh and mashed them up with Ava footage so it looked like the D were the angels that were attacking. <laughs> and it's very funny. This is the greatest and best song in the world. Tribute. Long time ago, me and my brother Kyle here. It's really funny, like, it's it's funny both, like, visually, and then they also, like, took the time to do it with Tenacious D songs that were, that would fit with the key of, like, the Evangelion battle music. So it's oh, not just like so above and beyond. Oh yeah, so like it's not just like them playing tribute, you know, on a screen, you know, when they get to the tribute solo, it's like the full Evangelion battle strings. <laughs> and nice. it, it it matches up perfectly cuz I I think all of the battle music in that is in A minor and most of the good Tenacious D songs are also in A minor. Oh nice. Yeah, oh, the music in Evangelion is also worth noting just really good like the original uh score of it is really really good oh totally and and by by the end it leans really heavily on like classical stuff yes um isn't there a lot of firebird uh the firebird suite in the end of evangelion or i I might be thinking something else yes yes to my yes if if what i am thinking of is that then yes gotcha (laughs) there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of big classical music moments Uh, um ode to joy is like a big uh, theme in I think it's yes. the series. I don't think yeah, it's I think it's that's series. that's Somewhere not in uncommon there. in anime either though. There are a lot of like very popular animes that really only have like three music cues and they're primarily just like well known classical pieces. <laughs> that's true. Um, though there is that moment in the at the end of a- end of Ava where it just straight up becomes Hey Jude. Yes. Um, which as I was watching it, I'm like, this is just straight up Hey Jude. And then I think the second I thought that. 
it did the yeah oh i can't believe we're talking about music and we have not talked about the iconic tumbling down tumbling down uh, uh, which one's that i think that's an end of evangelion it's uh, when things are really truly going to shit when it's like you pull back into space and you see the cross formations spiraling up i think they're playing yeah tumbling down tumbling down oh yeah that yeah, really yeah. like almost like beach boysy pop song yeah it's so it's it is just a, a truly deranged moment and it really is yeah it really makes you feel like you're losing it the end of evangelion has a lot of similar dna to the last like half an hour of 2001 <laughs> yeah like they're very much in that like oh, yeah. we're done with like linear storytelling we're just going to throw a lot of really powerful images at you that you might not be able to process but here they are yeah hope you're high <laughs> <laughs> i would be far yeah too definitely don't to watch this the first time high <laughs> i would be too far late. too afraid to engage with evangelion while uh, under the influence of anything i think it that's, would uh, fundamentally destroy that's fair me. <laughs> that's fair well uh are there any other topics in uh evangeliania that we haven't covered that you'd like to uh discuss before we wrap up i think we've gotten the hits i think we've talked about judeo-christian imagery we've talked about trauma mental illness uh episodes 25 and 26 i truly think we've gotten all the hits yeah i i i, I think we uh, i think we nailed it i think we we really uh we could even call this the fourth impact it was that successful Pew pew. <laughs> we are all just pulled together in a little puddle of LCM. So with that, the the, the podcast is exploded. Yes. Yep. <laughs> we are now all orange thing. Yes. Yeah, all, all of the all of the listeners are just gonna go. <laughs> um so if people wanted to find more uh, Sarah Brown related content on their internet, how could they do that? Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, both at Sarah is not famous. And my name is S-A-R-A, no H. Thank you. And then if you want to join us for Super Dating Simulator, we um, are featured on the Pack Theater Twitch channel, twitchtv.com slash packtheater, and also our own channel sometimes, twitch.tv slash Simulator. Woo! Yay! Um, yeah, Super Dating Simulator is one of the best live shows in Los Angeles. Um, and when the world comes comes back, uh, everyone should go see it uh, as often as possible. I have to agree. <laughs> I think, you know, I thought you might. Um, as for my bullshit, you can find me across the internet at Hell Yes Brandon on all of the things. Um, Happy Seppy Grown Up Hour is on hiatus for January uh, because making a monthly filmed sketch show uh, independently for free is a lot of work. Yeah, you guys work too hard. Scale it Yeah, we, <laughs> we super duper do. Um, so we're, we're taking a little bit of time off before we uh, are going to relaunch on our own uh, Twitch or Facebook or whatever situation because um, we're too body for Twitch apparently, <laughs> uh, which is wild. Makes sense, and frankly, Twitch is loss. Yeah, no, yeah, Twitch, Twitch, uh, Twitch doesn't know what it's missing out by not being able to see Splurdy the cum sock. I, all, I thought I couldn't remember what his name was, but I was Throw like, yep, Splurdy, probably the cum sock. Splurdy the cum sock, whose uh, comedic game is a little bit cloudy. <laughs> um, and uh, I've also got stuff with uh, Inkblot uh, on YouTube and SoundCloud. Um, my EP hat on a hat will be dropping soon. I know I've been saying that for many, many months now, but it's actually getting there. 
Um, I think I lied in the last episode and said that it was out because I was hoping if I said that in the episode, I could make you finish it. Yeah, no, I, 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 re- I remember that happening <laughs> and thinking Genius. like, oh, I don't, I, th- I see what she's doing here. I don't think that's gonna uh, Wife work. tricks. Wife <laughs> tricks. Um, which I'm usually very susceptible to. A wife hack, if you will. Yeah, it is a wife yep. hack. There you go. God, wife. Oh, that's so fucking good. Well done. <laughs> um, really done. You, you, you get an S ranking for this podcast. Yay! <laughs> um... And so, yeah, but you'll be able to find uh, Hat on a Hat uh, at uh, brandonbeck.bandcamp.com once it's done and I've figured out what the fucking middle track is going to be. Um, and, yeah, I think that's it for me. Beth, what about you? You can find me everywhere on the internet, as always, at, at bscores with an underscore at the end. Um, but the easiest way to find me would be to follow the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at, at IntuitPod, or you can follow the hashtag IntuitPod on Instagram, because I was too lazy to make another Instagram account, because it's really hard to get engagement, um, <laughs> if you really want to be frank about it. Uh, I don't really have anything, because um, I'm still not working and everything is weird and terrible, but, um, yeah. you know, it's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, I am, by the time this airs, I'm, I'm actually now also taking uh, the, the advanced VO class at the pack. I took the regular one last year, and uh, we talk about them a lot. And it won't be the moment now, but come spring, you'll be able to sign up for classes again. And I can highly recommend that. And I think people should. I think the pack is very important to this uh, podcast because most of the people we've had on it are our friends from the pack. So there you go. <laughs> Um, as always, I'm even planning on taking that class as soon as possible. I just missed it this last yeah, time. Yeah, you and missed it sold the, the. There were only six slots for the Zoom class, and you didn't oh, sign up in time. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna have to keep my eye out for that come spring. That sounds cool. That's what happens when your wife doesn't tell you you have to do it. <laughs> hey, you should do this today because you were talking about it, and it's gonna fill up. No, I left him to make his own choices, and look what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It worked out perfectly. Anyway, uh, thank you as always to Kalen West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song. Starting over is a lot like giving up off the album. Falling is like flying. Highly recommend all of Tiny Stills stuff. Haven't told you in a while to go listen to her, but you should. Um, and that's all I got. Hell yeah. Um, well, Sarah Brown, thank you so much for, uh, joining us today to talk about, uh, a thing that we probably still only scratched the surface of. (laughs) But you really, you gotta watch it. Like, even when we, at the beginning, you were like, what's the TLDR? And you're like, ugh. <laughs> like, it, it's it's very deep and rich, but kind of needs to be experienced. Yeah, yes. it, it's worth the, like, it is an investment, but it's worth it. It is if you're, 26, like, really, yeah. 30 minute episodes. It's on Netflix. It's accessible. Plan a weekend for it. Give us a try. Please, please. Oh, yeah. You can even sort of skip the first movie, which is just a recap of the second half of the series. It's only like 30 minutes of new footage, right? It's like... Yeah, don't watch... You're you're talking about Death and Rebirth, right? Yes. Don't bother watching Death and Rebirth. Watch 26 episodes, watch End of Evangelion, and then come talk to me on Twitter, unless you have bad opinions, in which case leave me alone. (laughs) Yeah... Yeah, some some of the uh, uh, the the Twitter bad opinions uh, you've posted recently have been like, or, or that have been given to you are yes, good. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I I won't keep us too long, but it does have to mention that I have, uh, as I mentioned, Misato is my favorite character. I've cosplayed her a few times and have gotten 
interesting responses from men, shall we say. Mostly, have you seen Evangelion? And it's like, yeah, dog. Yeah, I'm dog. Wearing it. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, but like, did you just like pick this character at random or what? LOL. Yeah. Yeah. As, as someone who works in comics and has worked at many, many conventions, I, I could also fill a book with these uh, kind of stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, big time. Big time. Anyway, this is a show that's entirely about liking things. So if Yay! you watch Evangelion and like it, go talk to Sarah. If you've got some other hot take about it, keep it to yourself. Woo! Hell yeah. <laughs> this is a show about things we stand. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, all of that being said, podcast over. Fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, darling, kiss me. Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. In 